welcome to the Camden Fringe Pod, a podcast all about the Camden Fringe. Keep listening for a glimpse behind the curtains and to find out how you can get involved in, you guessed it, the Camden Fringe. Hello, I'm Michelle. I'm Zena. Welcome to the Camden Fringe Pod. It is May. May Day. As we record this. And we now have over 100 shows on sale, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. We've reached that milestone. Any yeah. predictions on how many we will have by the end of May, Zena? Well, um, I think by the end of May. Hmm. I'm taking this question very seriously. You are. You're really thinking about it. I think we'll have 264. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, I definitely think we'll double it during May. So the deadline to be included in our printed brochure, which is an optional extra, is the 19th of May. Mm-hmm. So we're about two and a half weeks out from that. So if you are listening to this and applying at the moment, then, you know, if you want to be in the brochure, get your stuff together. Mm. I reckon the people that are listening to this are the people that have got it together. Because I was going to say, hey, you lot, why don't you answer my emails? But then I thought, no, because the people that don't answer my emails are not listening to the podcast no you're right so everyone who's listening to this you're our favorites yeah my shouting would just fall on deaf ears so there's no point you make a very good point anyway but i do wish they'd answer my bloody emails though <laughs> <laughs> we have a interview coming up and it is with david brady from the lion and unicorn it is super interesting interview listen to it here it comes Today we have with us David Brady, who is the artistic director of both Pro Forker Theatre and The Lion and Unicorn. And he's going to tell us about what they have in store for the Camden Fringe this year. Welcome, David. Hiya, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. The Lion and Unicorn has been part of the Camden Fringe since 2016, but under your stewardship since 2019, I think. So this will be your fifth Camden Fringe adventure. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's the first thing that when I took over as the AD of the Lion and Unicorn, I was like, shit, we're going to have to do Camden Fringe now. Uh, <laughs> and it was like the very first thing that was like on the list at the top of things. So um, having gone through the pandemic, which I think has been a big part of everybody's lives for the last couple of years, this is this really for me now feels like the first, I don't want to say like normal times version of the Camden Fringe we've had since the beginning, but it, but it is really so, I'm excited to see what happens. I always think that the Lion and Unicorns programme is very considered. I think you really think about what you're going to programme and have a good relationship with all the companies. Is that very important to you, being part of the Camden Fringe? Yeah, I don't know if we do it slightly differently to the way the other venues do, but we see it as a self-contained part of our the rest of our programming. So I think we put the same rigour to some extent in terms of the programming for those shows as we would do for the programming for the rest of the year, which means that we are, I don't know if you want to say we're a bit more selective about what we take. I think for me, it feels like it's got to feel more like it's theatre than comedy or music or, or you know, improv or, or that kind of stuff. We try and put a little bit in there. Canon Fringe allows us to be a little bit more experimental than we would be in, in, the, in the main programming. So we get stuff that we would normally take, like clowning and stuff. But I think it feels more like theatre perhaps than some of the other venues do. And that's just because that's an extension of our artistic programme, if that makes sense. 
Makes perfect sense. What have you got coming up this year that you're particularly excited about? Um, I think the thing that I really like about Camden Fringe is that I never really know what's coming through the door, despite what everybody says. Oftentimes we get such sparse marketing information at the beginning to go on because people are still developing their shows or because, you know, like I, I guess we, we've all made data. So we know that perhaps the show that you get is not necessarily the show that you start out making. I think there's a really interesting mix this year of that we've got some more international work than perhaps we would have taken in previous years, which I'm quite excited about. And there's some work that deals with refugees. There's some work that deals with like the Ukraine crisis. I think sometimes we want to use theatre as an escape, but actually Camden Fringe is a really good, compact way of kind of tackling some issues that I quite like. Um, We've got some planning, as I mentioned, which I'm quite keen on. Um, And then just some surprises, really. And and by that, like I say, we know what the marketing description looks like, but I never really know what the show looks like until it comes through the door. Sometimes three hours before the show starts, I still don't really know what we programmed. And then sometimes I don't know what we've had even after I've watched it. So. I know that feeling. (laughs) I think that's why it's really important for shows to market themselves well rather than rely on the venues and the Camden Fringe to do the marketing for them because we don't know. We've only got their descriptions. They're in the show. They're living it. Yeah, you're always going to be the best advocate for your own piece of work, aren't you? I think I say this a lot. Everybody's brains kind of got fat during lockdown and a bit out of shape. And so I think because we've all been fed this diet of like junk food on the telly or social media or whatever, I think what's really important for any show that comes in and particularly for the Camden Fringes, the most important thing I think you can do is like, what is my show in three sentences or what is my show in a tweet? Like it's this meets this because that helps people that program a venue have a really clear idea as to what it actually is. I think the visual language of a show is also really important. So if you think about how many applications, I mean, how many applications you must see, but we see a significant chunk of those as well. You want a really clear marketing image that's like, right, this is my show and this is that show summed up in one tweet. And that is much more helpful in terms of programming. I think if you can do that bit of it first, that makes everything else so much easier because you know what you're buying into and it's super clear. So that really clear concept is really helpful for me as a programmer. That's really useful to know, actually. That's one of the questions I was going to ask you is what do you look for in a show? There are still people applying for 2023 and obviously we hope this podcast will be a resource for people in future years. So that's a useful thing for anyone who's thinking of doing a fringe. Yeah, and I think actually a lot of fringe theatre shows in general, because they tackle issues that are so unique to the performers or the people that have written the work, they perhaps are not as commercially minded. I don't know why I always use this as an example, but like Wicked in the West End or any of those big shows that now started to like heavily discount their tickets. You're in competition with those shows. And so the question is, is actually how do you make your show as commercially? And sometimes it's not right for everybody and they don't want to do that. And that's fine. But actually, at the end of the day, we're assuming you want to put audience members in an auditorium and get them to watch your show. The, The more refined you can make a concept and the more like this is what my show is about here's a really clear image of what it's about, I think is really important. And I think certainly my advice for the shows that we see coming in for Camden Fringe is that they don't always have that. And I think that's more important perhaps than putting all the other language that goes with it. Because if you've got hundreds of Ventatron applications (laughs) and they come in all at once, you pick the ones that have quite frankly got their shit together. Absolutely. I think because of the nature of the way that the application process for Camden Fringe works and because it's open, we've got a three-week gap to fill for Camden Fringe I'm going to pick the shows early because I want those shows to be in with a really clear smart concept and even now we've got people applying that are looking for like five day runs of a show and I'm like it's nearly May sorry and that comes as a surprise sometimes 
So actually, if you go early and go go strong, I think those stand you the best chance of getting programmed because it's just really clear what the venue is taking. Yeah. And don't, you know, ignore the questions on the application form because they're there for a reason. Some people sort of look at things and think, oh, maybe I just put a two word thing in and then just ignore that. And actually, you really want to see that they're taking it seriously. So we have a question on Eventstrom, which is how do you plan to promote and market your show? And that quite often gets ignored or people might write like a three word answer or put like through the Camden Fringe or through the venue. Yeah. Well, if you think that's going to happen, that's not right, is it? And also, if you think your show's going to appeal to everybody between the ages of 18 and 80, that's also not right. So it's good to show that you have considered who your market is. Yeah, and and some of the shows from past years that we've had that have been really strong have got really clear, like, visual identities right from the outset. I know this sounds weird, but consistency in terms of, like, what the font looks like and what the poster looks like and the poster matches the show at the end. I think some people see the work that comes into Camden Fringe as being a bit throwaway. And actually, for us at The Line Unicorn, some of the shows that we've had in Camden Fringe have gone on to do really great, brilliant things for both us and for the future life of the performers. So Tuboy Productions came to us with Ewan in 2019, and they're like my favourite people now. And they hang around, right? And they've been part of everything that we've done. Aurelia Gage's shows in 2021 and 2022. So we had Sisters of Charity and then we had All This Must Pass and they're getting nominated for Offies and stuff now. So, and they're all shows that have got super strong, really clear ideas. And they've, sorry, mum, but they've got their shit together right <laughs> from the get-go and they carry those concepts through the through the process through Camden Fringe and beyond, I think. So have you had a few shows that have done Camden Fringe for maybe three or four nights and you've had them back to do longer runs? Yeah, and I really love that. Like, if I say, take you in as a good example, like we've built a really strong relationship with Chewboy now off the back of Camden Fringe. Aurelia's shows, and, and actually weird, it was the simplest show that I've ever seen, but it was also one of the most powerful. And the reviewers really loved it, and it was smart and clever. The best thing to be able to do is to kind of pick up the phone afterwards and say, do you want to do this in a world where you've got a bit more space? I think as the idea of the venue, the important thing to me is doing Camden Fringe is a different discipline to the other main house programming that we have right you've got to know that you've got the space for like an hour you've got to basically pull the show out of the box and have it ready to go and have all of your processes around it in place all of those shows that have been successful kind of understand that discipline and how it's different from potentially having a venue for a week and then you can do what you want they still manage to maintain that and, and that's where you get good stuff i think so talking about pulling a show out of a box i had a look at your program and i see at the end of may you've got your new 48 thing happening can you explain that to us 48 is a show from our in-house company we are going to create a whole full quality fringe show in 48 hours ish i say ish because we need to a little bit of planning beforehand but no writing you might have some sleep as well i'm guessing well i don't know i think sleep is overrated right if that's (laughs) which is why the video of this podcast will never see the light of day because i look terrible but um, yeah, so 48 gets pulled out of a hat, quite literally, uh, on the Friday, and then we perform it on the Monday and the Tuesday, uh, and is a whole show created. We just wanted to do something purely creative, so it's the associate artists of the theatre making something we don't know what it's going to be yet. So if you've got kind of a really interesting mix of people who are going to do it that haven't necessarily worked together before? Yeah, from different shows and from different companies and from different disciplines. And I think the idea is literally we are going to get into a room and we're going to be like, right, we're going to make this show. Um, I think there is something quite nice about like, not that it doesn't matter, but you pull a show and just go, right, we're going to have fun. 
for, for 40 hours and we're not going to worry about this big long lead up in terms of marketing and that kind of thing. All of the advice that I would say is not the right advice for Camden Fringe. We're going to do everything in 48 hours and then it's it's gone and we'll never see it again. Or we might see it again in the future, but but it's it's a really nice fun thing to do for a bank holiday, I think. And so do you have like a prompt for that? Are you going to um, maybe take something topical to look at? Because I guess you can do that if you're you can reference something that's really up to date. Yes and no. Yes, we can be topical. Yes, we should be topical. However, there is also a massive place for huge escapism. And actually, uh, you know, I mentioned the pandemic at the beginning of the podcast. I just will not don't want to program shows about the pandemic. And I don't want to program shows necessarily at the moment that are, you know, we see a lot of work that's quite sad and quite heavy and quite grim. And that's fine. But actually, I think there's a real place now for a proper escapism. And I think as we hurtle towards the new world, whatever that new world looks like, there is a place for optimism and there is a place for good storytelling. And theatre is a really good place for that. We're hurtling towards a new world. Yeah, well, like, but I mean, if you think about it, the, the world itself outside is a bit scary. Literally, like yesterday, we all had that emergency alarm thing go off. Totally to do with the war, isn't it? It's not to do uh, with the weather. I don't know. I don't or know. Godzilla. Is... Or Godzilla. Um <laughs> But actually, I'd prefer the Godzilla version of that story than I would prefer the war version of that story (laughs) most of the time. Mm -hmm. Because people, I think, and particularly audiences now, are really interested in escapism. And we have the power to do that. The brilliant thing about Fringe Theatre is it relies to some degree, but in the lower percentages in terms of your imagination. So in a world where you go and see a big West End show, that's 90% of being told what to do and what to think. And here's the set to make it look like a specific thing. With Fringe, it's like, we're going to let you use your imagination for 90% of the time because we can't have Godzilla stomping across the stage. So what does that look like? And how can you make that cool and fun? Uh, And where Camden Fringe is concerned, how can you make Godzilla come out of a box? (laughs) And and put him back in a box after 60 minutes. Yeah, Yeah, whilst the venue staff are standing around going, come on, we've got another show to come in, like the next Godzilla. (laughs) So I think that escapism is really important. And actually... There's a real place for topical work. Like I said, shows about real issues, but actually we just want to see some fun stuff sometimes too. And, and that's a really good thing as well. Yeah, we like the fun stuff. You've got, I think, 11 or 12 shows. We're not 100% sure at the moment programmed in and they'll all be on sale start of May. Is that right? You're announcing yeah. the, the big reveal. Yeah, we we tend to do it in one go um, just because it makes life a bit easier for us because we've got the rest of the programming in and they all need to get their act together as well um, so then Camden Fringe comes in a big block uh, and there's about 12 of them yeah I liked the look of Too Soon just because it was a sort of a subject that obviously appeals to me which is about a disgraced comedian who's making a comeback who do you think yeah, it's based on I don't know who it's based on because you know Bobby Dabro or um, Louis CK I don't know I don't know what that's about yeah we're, we're, it's one of those shows that's like a wait and see one and that's in five nights so we'll try and get to see that one. There's one for Xena as well called Bunny Bunny, which is a lady clown show. Brilliant. Yeah, and Nora's been in Sears in the theatre and I think she's got really strong ideas about what the show looks like and, and that kind of thing. Um, weirdly, and I don't know why this is, we get a lot of, of people from Ireland coming to perform shows for Camden Fringe, which is um, not intentional. I've got an Irish passport and uh, I'm very fond of my Irish roots. So it's really nice actually to have kind of an Irish representation in the work. And around Camden Fringe in particular, right? I, I don't know why it is, well, there's, I think historically there's a big connection between the Irish community and Camden. Yeah, like the, the Irish Centre and stuff is, is, is you know, in our neighbourhoods. But I, I think actually we get comedians and we get performers and we get theatre makers in from Ireland and they tend to come for Camden Fringe. And I think actually 
Camden Fringe is a really accessible way, if you're not from this country, to be able to come in and get that work made. Beyond Camden Fringe, what can you tell us about the Lion and Unicorn? Maybe an audience member who's listening and they've never been to the Lion and Unicorn. If they came along to see a show there, what could they expect? I think it's really important for me, and it has been since the beginning, but increasingly more so, is that like the quality of the work that we make increases all the time. There are so many brilliant theatre makers in our orbit we want to give them a platform to be able to do stuff. I think with that comes the responsibility to kind of make good quality work. And that can be work that comes out of a box that can be just as effective as work that's got massive sets and, you know, huge marketing budgets. Sometimes the best shows that you see are really simple concepts. That being said, we see a lot of like single person chair on stage shows. So we are encouraging people throughout the course of the next year to kind of think a bit bigger in terms of the stories that they present. I think that as the world has now gone back to, I don't want to say normal, but like it feels, you know, I said at the beginning, more more like normal, what big ideas you can push. So we're going to push some bigger ideas throughout the course of the year. What bigger stories can we tell? Can we do longer runs of a show? What does that look like? And really key to this whole process and the best bit of my job has been developing relationships with people like you, um, with audiences that are keen to see people grow. So companies that started at Camden Fringe or started somewhere else and grow into bigger and, and better things and to see the development of that work. So that actually, if you come to the line of Unicorn, you know, you can expect hopefully a nice welcome, a good quality piece of work, critically reviewed. We got nominated Fringe Theatre of the Year by Everything Theatre last year, which was a really nice accolade to have. And it's just building that work for us, really. Um, and so I guess more of the same, but bigger and better. I think your associate artist program is really good because obviously then you you have kind of really good relations with people that you know are going to produce quality work and you can really build them up as well can't you it's all part of making them bigger and better and making the theatre bigger and better I think that's a really strong aspect of the line and unicorn yeah and I think actually where those artists have been successful and I would encourage everybody that is making work at any venue is if you build a relationship with the venue and if you try and understand what the venue is trying to do I think that's really important. Different venues will have different things that are important to them. For me, it's a sense of community and that's actually, okay, look after the space and the space will look after you. I think people that are most successful get that, get the audiences and realise that we're in it together as a partnership. So the responsibility of the visiting companies is always bring a great show and market it well, those two things, and we will do the rest. So we'll make sure that you're well looked after. We'll make sure that everything runs according to plan. And that vein of professionalism, the best companies that do well have got that aim of like, how professional can we make this, even though we have no budget? The budget doesn't determine how professional you are. And you're in quite a residential area, aren't you? Do you find that the people that live nearby have started to sort of come in regularly to see things? Like, are are there people who live nearby that will just come and see whatever you have on? No, I think each show comes with its own audience. I guess unlike some of the other theatres that programme to a specific demographic or programme for a particular type of audience member, we programme for all types of audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sometimes it is still a little bit of a surprise. I go downstairs as an open house and I'm like, right, show's open. And they're like, oh, you have a theatre upstairs. <laughs> literally sitting right next to the door. The Lion Unicorn itself, the pub is phenomenal. I feel like one of the family are part of the furniture. The local community are generally very good. Actually, weirdly, we have a lot of actors who I can't name in the line of unicorn all the time so it's actually on the map for that community that's great and we're always keen for more people to come and see where where we are and that sort of stuff the, the pub's wonderful and there's the best sunday lunch in london although i'm biased do you have shows on a sunday yeah weirdly sunday is like scratch day or like one-offs it's a really good day 
to kind of encourage people to come in, have a really nice Sunday lunch, and then come upstairs and, and watch some theatre in the pub. Um, Sundays are quite an interesting day because it's where we tend to fit the slightly more experimental stuff outside of Camden Fringe. So usually scratch night stuff, but also kind of I've got the show for a one-off, it's touring, can we do it then? Sunday audiences are interesting audiences, which I quite like. That sounds like a really gorgeous way to spend a Sunday. Yeah, gravy and Yorkshire puddings followed by theatre. It's the best sort of Sunday, I think. Although I'd have to be careful not to eat too much and then fall asleep. <laughs> that would be my big problem. <laughs> yeah, we get the odd. Uh, normally Wednesday and Thursday nights are the falling asleep nights. <laughs> really? Because people have been at work all day. And then you ask them to sit in a hot, dark room. and Of course, they're going to fall asleep. So that's why you just have to make shows that are really dynamic and interesting. The other thing as well is that the Lion Unicorn's in like a U shape now. So if you fall asleep in the theatre, everybody can see you. It's unwise, don't do it. I was just remembering, Michelle, do you remember, this is before your time, David, but we had a show on there a good few years ago now. And for the marketing, there was a woman who was flying and she had a man dressed as a dog on a lead. Yes. Like a leather dog man. And right. she she was going backwards and forwards between Camden and Kentish Town. With the, the man was just being a dog all day. I think the people that ran the line in Unicorn were a bit unhappy about it because they were hanging around in the pub with the dog man. Other punters were a bit unsure about the dog man. Can you remember what the show was called? I can't remember what the show was called, no. But I do remember the show. That was one of our special shows of the year, I believe. When you yeah. get a pit, certain people who... Um, Become the main characters. That was one of the main yeah. characters of that year. Yeah, we have that too, right? I, I think that would be the case where I'd be like, look, is this is this marketing really necessary? If you're going to alienate the local audience, it's knowing the right places. So actually, w- what this means practically in real terms for me about marketing a show, actually, because it's really interesting, is we tell everybody every year, I don't think you have to do the same degree of like Edinburgh Fringe Mark. And actually, as the world has evolved, even since we started in 2019, strong digital campaigns are really, are really good. So actually, we're having this conversation at the minute of like, don't print a thousand flyers if actually you're more likely to reach an audience and be more environmentally friendly and feel better about yourself, if you can put that into digital marketing instead. It is more impactful, I think, sometimes if you have a limited spend, instead of spending two days walking a man dressed as a dog up and down Kentish Town High Street, to actually sit somebody behind Twitter and and build relationships. That's really where I I would encourage people to to spend their time. Because when you're in uh, the world that we're in, you produce the show, you perform the show, you market the show, you do it all yourself. Your focus in the days before the show is to get the show made. And actually, sometimes the marketing falls off the radar. If you plan ahead, the marketing can work for you in the background. So you're not having to pan the pavement anymore. It's not quite the same as if you were in Edinburgh and there's flyers everywhere. So I think it's choosing the right marketing strategy for your show and making that really impactful, I think, is really important. And Camden Fringe... The thing I always say to everybody, and this kind of goes back to my point about having a really clear concept, you are in competition with so many more shows than you are in the rest of the year. It takes a specific sort of discipline to be able to market that show. And that's where the planning ahead from a marketing perspective is really important, I think. You're echoing exactly what our marketing expert guest said last week. So that's brilliant. I know that there's there's something really exciting about like taking the show out onto a street and talking to people. But actually, I think there are better uses for people's time and again the world has changed right i i feel i feel particularly uncomfortable about things like throwing a thousand marketing flyers in a recycling bin also i think the other thing as well is i don't know if, if your marketing person said the same thing is 
build your company, don't build the show. So the number of people that come in and they have a social media account that's just for that show, wrong. Build your company's profile, build your personal profile. If you're a solo performer, the show will change, right? You know, because you'll do many more shows, hopefully. I think that pressure of like, I've got to make a social media account. Well, it's gone and nobody will look at it tomorrow. So, you know, that would be my advice. Is That is brilliant advice. It's something that always bugs me every year. When you've got a whole production company here, why have you put your Twitter link as a new show that's got three followers? Stick with your stick with your company one. That's really good advice. So some people are like Camden Fringe returning veterans, right? And we've all seen them every year. So they come back year after year after year. And Camden Fringe really works for them. And that's great. Some people see Camden Fringe as like a launch pad to try out something. And it's perfect for that, right? If you if you want to turn up, see if it works and then move it on. Brilliant. But I think in all respects, it's about building the long-term longevity of you and your company. And that's what really speaks to me. Making theatre is quite wasteful sometimes. And actually anything that we can do to make theatre more sustainable in terms of like the set that we use or... I've seen every IKEA chair in the world, every single one. What's the market for kind of reuse, reuse, recycle in fringe theatre and how can we use that? And that sort of stuff is really important too. Yeah, it feels like we need to have like a prop store for fringe shows. Mm. I mean, at the Etcetera, we had the same bench, table and chair for God knows how many years. Every show would come in and use the same bench, chair, table. But then you're in the risk of every show looking the same, right? And you want to avoid that. So it's like, how do you think about what you want ahead of schedule so you're not out of the last minute run to Ikea? But the sustainability thing is really important and it's going to become more important, I think, as time goes on. So if anyone out there has got like a little storage space somewhere, let's start a fringe theatre prop store where we can just have all the IKEA chairs in there and you can just pick which one you want. And return them afterwards for the next people. Brilliant. Thanks so much, David. Is there anything else you wanted to say before you want to plug? finish off? I don't want to plug, but I want to say thank you, actually. We have this adventure every year and I don't know if the two of you get enough credit for the work that you do. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been told to say this, but actually, um, I think it's such a mainstay of our programme every year. I know how much work it is for us. So I know how much work it is for you because it's times a million. So thank you. And thanks for being on the adventure with us. Uh, and thanks for letting us be part of it. It's 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 really important to what we do. And I'm going to love Camden Fringe more and more every year. Oh, well, you're very oh, well, welcome. Thanks, and we're delighted to hear that. So Zena, while I was mm-hmm. editing the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, you were talking about the man who's on a dog lead. In leather. Oh, yeah. As I was listening to that bit, I suddenly went, Samantha. Ooh. Turns out the show was called Samantha's Hotline and it was in 2010. So that's a long way back. Do you want me to read the synopsis of the show? Um, go on then, since you've clearly got it handy. I have. Sophie takes the audience on a hilarious journey as her character makes her clients believe that they are either a cowboy, MP, priest, or fireman. Oh, I should say, it's a two act play about a Chelsea lady whose husband's left her and now she's doing telephone sex to earn an income. That sounds like a very um, Hamden Fringe show to me. It doesn't really explain why the dog man thing was happening. No, it doesn't. Next week, we're talking to Nick Pettigrew, who is a Sunday Times bestselling author and a writer and a comedian, and he's also a script doctor. So, we're going to be talking about writing. And he's going to be giving some tips. Thanks for listening. Uh, like and subscribe. What are the other things you're supposed to do? Tell your friends. Ring a bell. Spray. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Ask us for our autographs. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.